Thank you for being here, man. This is uh, this is great. Uh, you know, we uh, we knew something was coming. It wasn't supposed to hit till later today, so uh, it hit earlier, uh, maybe somewhere. I was talking to some older people in the first service that uh, that uh, definitely aren't from Texas. They're from somebody somewhere else, and they moved down here. And this was like a, a short day. For them, you know, you just wear shorts and, and uh, kind of get comfortable. Um, but it's good to see you. Allow me to unpack my bag here just a minute to get my stuff. Pam and I went on a marriage retreat on uh, Friday and Saturday, and I took my handy backpack and I packed my uh, things in it. And uh, I, uh, I, since we were only staying one night, it was. Uh, Definitely worth just taking a backpack, and I lived out of the backpack, and and, and that was it. You know, uh, it made me think when uh, two, 2020 started, we uh, we stepped into the year, and little did we know that by March we're going to have this virus and all this crazy stuff is going to be taking place. And you know, just like if I'm going to stay someplace a couple of days and uh, 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 two or three days. I can live out of a, uh, my suitcase. I can live out of my suitcase. But if I'm going to stay for a length of time, i got to unpack my bags. Well, I, I feel like with COVID that we, uh, we have been waiting for it to go away. We've been, we were thinking, okay, when it goes away, then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. And so we, we've been living out of our suitcases and here we are in January, beginning a new year, 2021, not knowing exactly when things are going to let up, not knowing if things are going to change in the way they are. And I just began to pray, and the Lord really convicted me, we need to unpack our bags. We need to realize, God, what do you want to do with us right now, your church, your bride, the church of Jesus Christ, we want to be faithful. We want to be used by you. We appreciate so many of you uh, watching at home right now. Hopefully there's more of you uh, watching at home today. But as we go into 2021, the Lord just really convicted me about unpacking our bags. And because we don't know if things are going to change. But yet we want to be used of God right where we are. Well, I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I promise you I will get to the scriptures. Uh, I will quote some, but you're going <clears> to, <throat> I know the way you, you people are wired, especially you note takers, that if I don't read the Bible too soon, you're going to think Mark is just sh- uh, uh, sharing his opinion, and that's never the case here. But uh, Colossians 1, and I'll tell you where we're going to be in just a moment. Uh, yesterday I was I was thinking through the message, and uh, uh the first week of January, 1980, I went on a church staff position for the first time. First Baptist Church in Robinson, right outside of Waco. I was going to Baylor at the time. And uh, and here we are, 41 years later, I'm still on church staffs. Now, that's good and bad. It's, it's good in that I have experience in a lot of things. Some people think it's bad because... Mark, you've just been on church staffs. So you don't know what the business world is like. You don't know what this kind of world is like. True. I'm just doing what God 
has asked of me, just like you're doing what God asked of you. And so you need to teach me as I try to teach you. But, uh, but I thought back, and, and I've seen church change a lot in 41 years. I mean, if you'd have told me 41 years ago that it would be standing up on a Sunday morning to preach to you, and I would have jeans on, I would think, you're crazy. Uh, there's no way, because that was back in the day of suits and ties, every service that you did. But then again, if you'd have told me in 1980 that the most expensive pants in my closet would be my jeans, I wouldn't believe you uh, either at that point. But I've seen a lot of things change in the church. And sometimes people will come up to me and say, Mark, what kind of church is central? And uh, I, I think about that a little bit, and, I, and I'm wondering, what are they really asking? So I go through this barrage of things in my mind. I'm thinking, are they saying, is it large or is it small? Uh, is it traditional or is it contemporary? Is it old or young? Uh, is it growing, declining, or stagnant? Uh, is it denominational or is it an independent church? Is there expository preaching or is it topical preaching? Is it evangelistic, missions-based, or is it group-based? Uh, is children and student ministry important, or is it more adult-geared? Uh, is it community-minded or more inward-focused? And so I'm going through this barrage of things just with a simple question of what kind of church is central. And then, I, so I think through that. And I could give an answer like this, you know. Historically, we are part of the Baptist expression that uh, has taken place. We are nationally under an umbrella of churches called the Southern Baptist Convention. We uh, work very closely with our state, uh, Baptist General Convention of Texas. We also work with other Baptist churches in Williamson County under a title called Strategic Church Solutions. We're also involved in... Uh, other expressions of faith in our community. We are centered on the great commandment, which is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission, which says uh, go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and do all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So we're built on the great commandment and the great commission. We are also uh, very mission-minded. We uh, are evangelistic in the way we are, biblically conservative in our theology. We have six elders that give spiritual oversight. We have six pastors and a ministerial staff and several key volunteers that run the day-to-day operations of the church. Uh, we are actively a part of local, national, and global missions. We strive to give an opportunity for the entire family to participate uh, together. We also have a fourfold function, which is to exalt God, to edify believers, to evangelize the lost, and to serve a needy world. And, and that's who we are. Now, and, and we even have a, a, a good, good statement. Central Baptist Church is a family of Christ followers, filled by God and empowered by His love to do life in a, in a passionate pursuit of becoming like Jesus. Man, we have it all right there. And the person may have been just asking, hey, I just want to know where you guys meet. And, but I can come up with that answer because that's who we are on paper. But so often we, we just go through things and we don't 
unpack our bags to say, okay, God, this is who you made us in a strange time, in a, in a time we, we're not sure about what the future holds, but this is who you have called us to be right now. So God, we want to unpack our bags. We want to be useful to you during this time. Now, with that thought though, there is, uh, another question that I'm often, often asked. How's Central doing? Now, I get asked that question. How's Central doing? So, I think it out, and I think like this. Well, we have some people coming to Christ, and we have some people that are walking away from the faith. We have some marriages that are getting healthy and strong. We have some marriages that if something doesn't happen, they're going to have a divorce in a month. We have, we're seeing new people, and we're having people that we haven't seen in months and years. We, uh, we're seeing people grow in their faith, we're, and serve and volunteer, and then we have people that are just spectators. We, we have this whole gamut. And so, when somebody asks me, how's Central doing? I, I, it's a schizophrenic question. So how do I answer? Fine. That's just what we say when, when we can give an extensive answer, but we don't want to take the time to do that, so we just say, fine. And there's some things that concern me about not just Central, but the church as a whole. Uh, 2020, we took the census. 2010, you take a census. Every 10 years, you take a census. In the 2010 census, under faith, the number one growing area on the 2010 census was a group called nuns. The nuns have no faith affiliation at all. They, that's what they've chosen to say. We have none, we have no affiliation with any kind of faith. So that was the number one growing one, and it's growing, I'm sure, in 2020, it will show the same way. But there's another group. They're called the Duns. You got the nuns and the Duns. The Duns are those who raise their kids in the church, who are now out of the house. They have done all the church stuff. They've given their finances. They've used their life and teaching and this kind of stuff. And now they come to the, this point of saying, I'm going to leave it to the younger people. And now me and Myrtle are going to go do whatever we're going to do. And so you've got the nuns and the duns. And uh, this concerns me greatly because uh, never is the body of Christ an option. You are to be a part of the body of Christ. And when I think about that, uh, I think about certain trends that are going on today that concern me. So let me, let me just kind of unpack some of these trends that are going on today. Used to be, when people had a spiritual need, they would visit a church. They would come and they would come and they hoped to find an anchor, hope, love. They would come to a church. Today's trends are people, it's not even on their radar to go to a local church. They may come if you invite them, but they're not just going to walk into a strange place with strange people. That's not what you do anymore. Another trend is there used to be some kind of common ground, either spiritually or biblically, that you could sit down with a stranger and have a conversation over a cup of coffee, and you would be able to find at least some biblical framework 
or some spiritual guidelines to be able to talk and then maybe be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to them in that conversation. It's not that way anymore. People don't have a, a, a biblical guide work, uh, a framework. They don't have a spiritual level to be able to talk on. So you have to talk a different way to make sure they have a need so that you can address it. The, and, and it's this way even in the church. I cannot guarantee that when I get up to speak about some golden story in the scriptures that the people listening even know about it. And so that's a trend that, that is going on. Here's another one. Used to be ministers and churches were always high on the ethics chart. The, the, for you that are in healthcare, uh, especially nurses and, and doctors, you are the highest on the ethics. They, people think you have the highest ethics. Used to, you would have pastors and ministers, at, at least in the top five, maybe in the top ten. But now, they're not even, they're way down the list. Something's happened. And so, there's this concern that people don't even look to the church anymore. Um, here's, here's another one. Churches, so many churches today are built on personality. They're personality built instead of Jesus built. In other words, you know, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Andy Stanley's church, or I go to Joel Osteen's church, or I go to uh, whatever church, and they mention a person's name. And, and it always bothers me as, if somebody says, well, I go to Mark's church. It's not my church. But yet, we live in a day that's personality. We follow personalities instead of following Jesus, and we build them on that. Now, the next one I'm going to share with you, I actually wrote down before what took place this week took place. And it's this. We live in a time where, especially in America, people see Christians more affiliated with a political system than they do a faith culture of transformation. And what happened the other day just makes me sick because there were people that stormed our capital illegally who were saying they were Christians, they were having Christian flags, crosses, these kind of things. Let me tell you, we need to repent of that. We need to repent. And it just bothers me that we have seen this take place. And, and many people see, in fact, I read a, 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 somebody posted this on their Facebook page that I know, and it just really grabbed me. They said basically this, you white evangelical Christians need to go do something. In other words, they were blaming everything that took place on people that were Christian, and they called it other things, instead of, of what it was. This was bad. I mean, there's times I want to stand up and apologize for the church. And we're seeing this over and over again. Here's a couple of more. We live in a day where more energy is expended to keep people happy and to keep people than to reach the lost. We, we spend more of our energy and resources and time 
trying to make us feel good about ourselves instead of carrying out the commission to go and reach lost people. One last one. Trend that is taking place today. The local church has become an option rather than an, a step of obedience for followers of Jesus. They, they are not connecting with other followers and, and they see it as an option instead of the follower of Christ joining with others. They, these concern me greatly. Um, I, I read about uh, a quote Henrik Hein made. He was a German poet, and he was standing out in front of a cathedral in France. And he was approached by a friend and said this, Tell me, Heinrich, why can't people build cathedrals like this anymore? And Hein uh, responded by saying this, My dear friend, in those days people had convictions. We moderns have opinions. And it takes more than an opinion to build a Gothic cathedral. And we're not building cathedrals, but if we're going to build the church of Jesus Christ the way he has said, it's not going to happen by opinions. It's going to happen because we have a conviction to follow after Jesus. So I have three fears that I have for Central. And somebody's thinking right now in your head, you're thinking, Mark, I opened my Bible and you haven't read. I'll get there. I promise you. But there's three fears I have. I have it for you. I have it for me. I have it for every church in this community, in our country. The first fear is this, is that we will compromise, continue to compromise. We will continue to compromise to let the world influence us more than us influencing the world. Jesus said this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, it's good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. In other words, salt can become saltless. And Jesus gave a warning in that area. You and I can become saltless salt that we're not making any impact at all. But we're, we're so compromised into the world. The second one has to do with this internal focus. We're so focused internally. Jesus said this. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, but they put it on a table and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I'm afraid this internal focus, we're letting our light shine, but we put it under a bowl and we're just shining on one another instead of going out and making an impact in our world by letting the light shine. The third fear I have for us is this. Apathy and familiarity. We... Basically, apathy is, it's not that big a deal. Familiarity, oh, I've been there before. And it reminds me of when John, who wrote the Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, there are three letters that basically Jesus gives, uh, excuse me, seven letters that he gives to seven churches, and one is the church in Ephesus. And he says this to the church in Ephesus, you're doing a lot of uh, uh, great things. You're doing a lot of visible things. You're doing a lot of activities. But this one thing I hold against you, you have departed from your first love. And what happens is, is apathy and familiarity. Oh, I've done that. I've done that. I've sang all the songs. 
I've been through all the Bible stories. I've, I've done that. I, I've been to how many times, Mark, are you going to say the same thing over and over again? You become so familiar. I, my voice uh, will become like Charlie Brown's teacher. Why, why, why? Parents, because you're so familiar with it. And so we we have lost the awe of of Jesus and we sing the songs and they don't stir our hearts anymore because we're so familiar. And and this apathy and familiarity is going to lead us away from being the church that God has called us to be. So we need to unpack and say God get me get us back to where you desire for us to be. Now, Colossians 1:28 and 29. This is a life verse for me that when it comes to who we are, when we started Central 27 years ago, it was a key part of my life. It's that anchor that pulls me back. When when I start struggling on God, what am I doing, especially in uncertain times like we've lived in, it, the Lord said, okay, let's go back. Let's get back to center of what you're called to do. And so I share this with you today about what we're called. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Let me read both verses and then we come back and unpack it. It says this, Him we proclaim. The Him here is Jesus Christ. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that he powerfully works within me. Two simple verses. But in these two simple verses, Paul gives four purposes and two strategies that are for the church. The first one is this. The first purpose. We are to proclaim a person, not a process. We are to proclaim a person, not a process. He, he says this. Him we proclaim. In other words, we announce Jesus it is about Him. It's not a, about a uh, religious system. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. We are pro, pro, uh, proclaiming an individual, and it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect one who gave His life on a cross, who rose from the dead, who ascended to the right hand of the Father, who is coming back one day. That is who we proclaim. We don't proclaim a building. We don't proclaim just a system. We proclaim Jesus. And anything that does not look like Him, we need to repent of. We need to turn from that. And, and we are guilty sometimes of enlisting people to a cause instead of telling them about spiritual transformation in a relationship with Jesus. We want you to come to our church. We want you to come to our activities. But listen, ultimately, are we sharing Jesus? We are here because of a person and not a process. The second purpose that Paul gives is this. We exist for everyone. Notice what he says. He says, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature. Three times in one verse, Paul uses the word everyone. That means he's trying to get a point across. We exist for everyone. For the intellectual, for the not so intellectual, for the rich, for the poor, all genders, 
all races, all, all personality types. We exist for everyone. And, and we need to hear this because sometimes people say, well, we just target certain people. We target young adults or we target uh, young families or we target singles or we target. Listen, listen, there's we live in suburbia, USA. I understand that. We don't live inner city. We don't live rural. We, we are been planted in one of the fastest growing young family places in America. So yeah, we are going to do things we can to reach families. But we are, we exist for every man to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they ought to be welcomed here. The problem that I see today, and I've had this conversation and let me say this, if you've come to Central over the last maybe couple of years, thank you for hanging on. Because all churches, and I talk to new people, and, and they're looking for a church home. They move here, and they're looking for a church home. And they tell me, and these are, these are solid followers of Jesus. And they'll make the comment, you don't know how hard it is to come to a new area and try to crack in to a church. Because we're all friendly. We're all friendly. But are we welcoming? There's a difference. There's a difference from being friendly and being welcoming. We're friendly to each other. But what about the person who's trying to come, trying to be part of the body, trying to be part of the family of Jesus Christ? Are we welcoming to say, come, come over to our house and eat. Come to be a part of our group. We want you to come. See, we're friendly, but are we welcoming? See, we exist for all people. And do we just look for those people that look like us? No, you can't do that. We, we exist for everyone. The third purpose that Paul gives is this. We must warn and then instruct. Notice what he said. He said, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. We are to warn and then instruct. Now, we don't like warning. We like instruction. We like Bible study. But when it starts stepping on our toes, we don't like that. But let me tell you something. If I'm walking to the edge of a cliff and I don't see it, I want somebody to warn me. I want somebody to tell me, Mark, you're about to fall. You're about to break your neck if you don't stop. Listen, we need to warn people. We need to be able to tell them, listen, apart from Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God in an endless hell. We have to warn people. We have to warn believers that if we're not willing to lay aside our agenda and, and take up purity and holy, holiness and righteousness, that we're going to fall by the wayside somewhere and, and who knows what's going to happen in our life. We, we sometimes shirk back from warning, but we have to warn. But let me tell you, we lovingly warn. And then we lovingly instruct. And how do we instruct? Well, we take the Word of God. We take the Bible. Every small group, we're going to get into the Word of God. Every preaching opportunity is going to be out of the Word of God. And we're not into our opinions here. Our opinions don't matter. Ultimate truth matters. So we are to lovingly warn and we are to lovingly instruct. There's a story about 
uh, about a, a particular rainy night that a bridge had gone out. There was two men. One said, I'm going to go up and, 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 uh, where the bridge is out so that when the people, uh, the people that come to work on the bridge, they'll know where to come. But what I need you to do is you take your lamp and you go down and you get into the road and as people come, you, you give them a warning with your lamp. Well, one car comes along and goes over the edge. Another car comes and goes over the edge. The man runs back and says, are you not warning people with your lamp? He said, yeah, I've been moving my lamp back and forth in the middle of the road. And the guy says, yeah, but you didn't light your lamp. You see, sometimes we are busy warning people, but the light of God's presence is not shining forth from us, and we don't have a voice. See, we earn a voice. We earn the right to speak, not because of how good we are, but how good God is and how what He's done in our life. So that is how we express that. So we are to warn and then instruct. The last purpose that Paul gives is this. We must set an environment for people to grow. Notice what he says. We want to present everyone mature in Christ. The word mature here uh, actually means complete or whole. In other words, your faith in Christ is a process that you're growing. And, and we are to set an environment here through this body known as central that he has allowed us to be part of so that you can grow and be conformed in the image of Christ. The question is, are you more like Jesus this year than you were last year? If not, there is a problem. Either we as a congregation have not set up an environment for you to grow, or you just are flat walking in disobedience. And we are called to uh, not to entertain, but we are called to challenge. And, and, and sometimes there's a struggle for the modern day church in our compromising. We feel like if we can entertain you, that it's about you, it's about me. Do I feel good about that? How many times do we walk out of here saying, was that a good worship service or not? Well, I, you know, the songs, I, I don't know if I like the songs. I don't know if I like the preaching. Listen, it's really not about us. It's about an audience of one that we come and we worship him. Was God's presence here? Now, Paul gives not only four purposes, but he gives two strategies. And I want to share these strategies with you. In verse 29, he says this, For this I toil. The first strategy is this. We must labor to the point of exhaustion. The word toil that he gives there is the word for labor or agonize. It's the picture of an athlete who uh, goes through off-season, goes through two-a-days, goes through practice so that he is prepared for the game that he is going to play. There's this agonizing that he does to prepare himself. And Paul is saying, I toil, I agonize, I I grow in my faith so that I am prepared for the work that is to be done. And uh, how do you do that? Well, we do that through the spiritual disciplines that we get into. We labor in prayer. We labor in love. We labor in these things. 
the modern day church has a tendency to let the professional staff labor and you benefit from the labor. That's not what it, way it is. We all labor to the point of exhaustion. Laboring in prayer, laboring in love. It takes effort and we do this through our daily disciplines that we have in the Lord. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes uh, somebody may say, well, you know, uh, at the church, uh, we're going to leave the church. Why are you going to leave the church? Well, uh, we don't feel like we're being fed spiritually here. Our, our group, we're not being fed. The preaching is not feeding us. The worship is not feeding us. And, and my thought is, initially, my heart aches because they feel that way. But then I, I come back in my quiet moment and said, did nobody tell you how to feed yourself? Did nobody help you to get into the Word of God? Did nobody help you in your prayer life? It's about you feeding yourself. So one strategy is we need to labor to the part of exhaustion. The second one, notice what he says. Struggling with all, whose energy? His energy that he powerfully works within me. We must yield to the Spirit's indwelling. We must yield to the Holy Spirit living in our lives. Let me tell you what happened. We don't talk about this enough. When you came to the point, however old you were, and you said, Lord Jesus, what you did on the cross, you did for me. I realize my sin has separated me from you. I ask you to come. I ask you to forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I want to follow you. Now, we think, well, that's just a step I made. And sometimes we're, we have a tendency when somebody makes that prayer, we baptize you and we say, go get them. Instead of saying, when you made that commitment, the very Spirit of God came to live inside of you, be born again, become new in Christ. The Spirit of God now indwells you. And as He indwells you, what He does is He works from the inside out and He transforms you. And I do not expect somebody that's just become a believer, coming out of the world, I don't expect them to live like somebody that's been a believer for ten years. But yet, the Holy Spirit in them starts working from the inside out, and you start seeing transformation. Now, if a ten-year-old Christian has not gone beyond one year, I'm very concerned. Just like you would be concerned about a child that you have, who is born and still is in diapers at age 10, you would think, man, I think there's something wrong. Yeah. And so it's that way with Christ. But as we yield to his spirit, we say, okay, God, I cannot do this. You're going to have to do it through me. And Paul is saying it's his energy, his sufficiency, his power that works through us. These are the two strategies. We must labor to the point of exhaustion, and we must yield our lives to the Holy Spirit. Yes, we plan. Yes, our elders pray. Yes, our staff plans. Yes, we do those things. But yet, we have to surrender to the voice of God. I end with this. There was five ministerial students, and they were in London. And they were going to the large church there in London for an afternoon service. And they got there early. And as they're kind of walking around outside, this gentleman walks up to them. They didn't know the gentleman. And they, he said, would you like me 
for me to show you the heating apparatus of this church. And they thought, how strange that this guy would come up and say, do I, we want to see the heating apparatus of this church. So they said, sure. So he takes the five young men, he goes down into the basement, and he comes to a door, and he slowly opens the door, and there are 200 people on their face below in that basement crying out to God before the service starts. And he told those five young men, he said, this is the heating apparatus of the church. That man was Charles Spurgeon in the Metropolitan Tabernacle in the 1840s. And that's what he was saying. This people on their face, this is what makes this church go. This is the heating apparatus. If we were to talk to people in this community and said, what do you think the heating apparatus is of Central? Would they say our family ministry, our youth ministry, because there's a lot of excitement there? Would they say it's our worship ministry? Would they say it's our, our group's ministry? What they have? Let me tell you, none of that stuff is worth anything. None of that stuff would exist if we do not come before the Lord on our faces to the ground praying for Him to move. That is the heat of the church. And, and tonight at midnight and tomorrow, we're involved in our unceasing prayer time. Uh, how many of you are involved? I hope most of you are involved. And you can receive the email ab- about that. We have the Pray the Rock. We, we pray about certain things. But I tell you what, uh, my heart gets broken sometimes. You know, the first hour of our staff meeting, we pray. We come before the Lord and we pray. We pray for you. We pray for the victories. We pray for what we want to see God do. We try to hear his voice as we pray. And, and I, you know, my challenge to you as we go into this, God, teach us how to be the, the apparatus of heat for the body of central. Uh, do we pray well? I don't, I don't, I don't pray near the way that God would have me pray. God, teach me. Teach me to be the man of prayer that you desire for me to be. I want to pray for you. And I, w- I want you just to bow with me. And I-, I want to ask you this question to your heart. Are you more like Jesus this year than you were last year? Has there been any growth? Or has it been more uh, of a year of concern and... and uh, fear than a faith. Listen, we go through seasons. We go through seasons that are seasons of darkness. We we wonder, God, where's your voice? But but he's at work even in the darkness, in the silent times. Even when I don't feel you, you're working. Even when I don't see you, you're working. So are you more like Jesus this year in, in And you know, that's not a question we can answer necessarily for ourselves. Someone else needs to recognize Jesus in it. But I ask you, also, are you willing to be all in and say, Lord, we understand our purpose. We understand our strategy right now. We are to be uh, people who labor to the point of exhaustion. And Lord, we are to be people empowered and yielded to your spirit. I want to pray over you today. I believe your craziness to come out on a snowy morning. And you that are watching online, 
I pray that there is a divine appointment happening right now. In your heart and in your life and in your mind. And in just a moment, maybe there's a conviction that you want to come to this altar and just kneel and say, God, this year I want to be used. I want to unpack my bags. I've been living out of a suitcase. Father, I pray for this moment. Lord, may we remember the morning of January 10th, 2021, not because it snowed, but because you reigned in our lives. We made a commitment this morning, and it will alter until the day we see you face to face. For the youth in this room, for the children in this room, for the men and the women. Lord, you're speaking to all of us right now. Give us the boldness to say yes to you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand. Team's going to lead us in just a song of worship. If you want to come to these steps and kneel and pray before the Lord, please come. Let's just... Ask the Lord to speak to us now.